I might leave that in. Uh, usually, uh, if I've left a clip of music in and it ends up on a YouTube video, it gets tagged automatically. But that, I think, is public domain, so I'm curious if it will trigger the algorithms. You're with Julian on the brown note and a review of um, Crimes of the Future. David Cronenberg, the Canadian director, probably, maybe, a little bit, deserves the title of the post-Kubrick author, maybe more than anyone. He's singularly pursued his own vision of films without ever seeking uh, mainstream approval or big budgets or anything. He's done his own things for so long and has had such... Uh, he's invented his own language of film quite closely associated with the genre of body horror, but far beyond that. I mean, his, um, he, his first film came out in 69, and his second was called Crimes of the Future, but that has nothing to do with the current Crimes of the Future, which was a film that he tried to make in the early 2000s with a very big budget and um, just gave up on it. Uh, and the storyline was slightly different. You can read up on what it was, but probably came to prominence with a series of body horror films, very controversial ones in the mid 70s, sort of um, Shivers, Rabid, The Brood, and then really came sort of into public focus with Scanners, the exploding head movie in 1981, the classic video drone, um, Dead Zone, the Stephen King adaption. And um, The Fly, this is a, probably the era of his being most close to the centre of mainstream success, I guess. And um, Dead Ringers won an Oscar for Jeremy Irons playing dual roles. Naked Lunch might have been a slightly flawed film, but um, still iconic, uh, still, um, still talked about to this day. And um, arguably his most um, controversial out of some really controversial films was Crash, which set the, at least in Britain, set the media into a frenzy. This um, version of J.G. Ballard's novel where it um, encountered this subculture that equated car crashes with sex and mangled metal and mangled bodies and, and fetishized the whole thing and the press went nuts over it. Um, since the 2000s, he's moved away from the more controversial elements often uh, with some Viggo Mortensen films, which have been absolute classics. History of Violence, great film, could have been by a mainstream director. Um, the one where Viggo Mortensen is hiding in a small town, living a, a nice life, um, and ends up taking out two gangsters that try and muscle in on this um, restaurant quite easily and scarily and gets plastered all over the news, and then we find out who he really is. And just as good, Eastern Promises... Um, another one that um, really occupied a similar terrain to other people, but with a slight twinge on it, and The Dangerous Method as well. Cosmopolis, um, another one that was very ambitious, if a bit flawed, was the first time I think that I saw Robert Patterson as a great actor. Uh, his last film, Map to the Stars, I don't know why I didn't see it, but he's back with Crimes of the Future. And it's very notable that it is his first foray back into that sort of body horror universe for, de for this century. Um, so it's a very different film. It contains um, Viggo Mortensen, Leah Sado, and Christian Stewart, two actresses who I have 
often rubbished in the past. Um, this is a film, um, it's, it's a very difficult premise. So it's, um, it's timely, I guess. It's, it's in the future where human beings have undergone changes and they don't know why. No one can feel pain anymore is one of the major ones. So a fetishized uh, source of entertainment now is people having open surgery done on them in public or on television without anesthetics because no one can feel any pain anymore. And another one is that they can, they're starting to grow organs that don't exist in human biology. So Vigo, we get Vigo, at the start of the film, we get this very confronting scene where a mother has a child like AI, very much like that um, sort of bit with um, the little kid living at the family home in AI. There's something weird about the kid and the mother's not very happy about the kid. Um, and then we see him um, biting through a plastic bin and eating it. Um, and at night, the mother smothers him, phones up the dad and says, your monster is here for you to pick up the body. And we later find out she's in jail for murder. And then we come to um, the Vigo Mortison character. And a lot of these people now are in extreme discomfort, um, even though they can't feel pain he grows regularly organs inside his body that don't exist in nature prior to him doing it. There's speculation that he can mentally do this. He can control it. Leia Sado is his partner, a semi-romantic, semi-professional partner. And the two of them perform open surgery, or Leia Sado does on him, as performance art. So he grows this weird organ inside himself and they are in a crowd and she will cut it out and it will be broadcast and they're, they're world-renowned as performance artists because he can't feel any pain, allegedly. Although that is kind of, it's kind of weird that he can or can't feel pain because at some points it seems like he does and at others he, he doesn't. So it's a bit weird. Into the mix comes um, the authorities who are trying to keep track of normal human biology and to stop or to evaluate what's happening to the human condition. The world has, uh, it's inferred that we have already destroyed the world by climate change. Please don't. Well, watch my recent climate change bit where I said we're all going to die and it's too late anyway. And the world's become a toxic wasteland. Um, and all these genetic mutations are happening to people and so on. Um, Internet mix come the sort of like the the police behind the scenes, and they want uh, Viggo Mortensen to use his cachet in the world of performance art and everything to infiltrate a particular group, who just happened to be led by the dead boy's father, uh, and gradually over time it all starts to knit together into a sort of more compelling narrative over the first sort of half of the film it's not a very long film it's under two hours over the first half of the film it is a much more sort of existential film about the relationship between Viggo Mortensen and Leia Sado and Christian Stewart when she arrives into the scene the meaning of what they're doing is it performance art if he isn't willingly creating the organs that are gr growing inside him lots of deep philosophical existential thought um, 
some of the elements of this film are very anxiety inducing personally i didn't think that the the violence and gore here was upsetting particularly i mean i was led to believe that it was faint inducing it's not it's actually very mild for a david cronenberg film apart from one sequence at the end which will push buttons involving uh, an autopsy on a child which will push buttons but other than that not really compared to what he's done in the past no um the there's lots of elements that make me anxious in this film um one of them it's a plus and a minus i don't think all of the dialogue here is essentially natural sometimes people talk in a manner that normal humans wouldn't talk in um other times their um the flow of their conversations is slightly angular slightly away and it, it puts you off balance a bit the other thing is there's a lot of co like people cough like in, some of them cough imperceptibly <coughs> when they're talking it happens over and over and you just like and Vigo Mortensen himself and it's an it's, it's, it's integral part of the plot whatever's happening to his biology inside is causing him enormous discomfort he is quite something to behold because he spends a lot of the film loping around coughing he has respiratory problems and he has he has this special chair that jibbles him around to try and get him to eat he can't eat his throat's swollen up all the time he's not the picture of health but he wears this hood a lot and this black cape and it reminded me of so many different things for one thing aragorn uh it was kind of like at the start of lord of the rings where he's got that on another kind of like hunchback and notre dame he's like floating around in the night wearing this hood um so it was, it was really interesting um and he's just coughs all the time and it's quite it's quite anxious i was quite glad when it ended because it's quite an unnerving film there's lots of philosophical thoughts on you know the nature of what they're doing christian stewart says to them you know this is sex isn't it which is you know it's that's that's correct it's the the new sex is this surgery which is you know lots of middle class art types are having their bodies cut open in front of audiences in a, in a very sexual manner um the so my my thoughts on this film are for one thing i couldn't believe how many david cronenberg films it reminded me of um it is a greatest hits of david cronenberg videodrome of these sort of you know a dystopian future with these underground societies definitely 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 uh, the body mutilation of the fly, the surgery of dead ringers, um, the juxtaposition of mangling the human form with sex is obviously crash. Um, the David, uh, the um, Viggo Mortensen character even inhabits a certain little bit of Eastern promises, which will make sense the longer you go on. Um, there's some really interesting uh, use of nudity in this. Lea Sedow has one of the most amazing naked forms I've seen in cinema and she is unusual in the modern era for being so nude through a particular sequence in this film. There aren't many actresses her level that, that ever do that anymore. Um, so that was really, really interesting. The female form is shown off a couple of times. Even though there isn't really anything explicit, I don't even think there's a swear word in this film though it's certainly not getting a pg rating on themes alone um i thought the um the notions which relate to the destruction of you know the natural world having an impact on humans was very very good 
but it didn't push it far enough. I thought the main thread that emerges in the second half of the movie, I thought they could have pushed it a little bit further. Um, I thought that might have been, you know, it was it was compelling. Some of the other threads that come up in the first half of the film aren't really pursued. Um, so you know, there's there's some there's some characters that exist. And they offer a few different points of view or offer a few different futures that are going to happen in the film. And none of them actually eventuate. And you're like, well, I'm not sure that character or those those proposed events should have remained in the script. Because they don't, they don't really do anything except sort of obscure or eat up time and what's going. Uh, Viggo Mortensen is very good in a very unusual for him role. Which reminded me a lot of the Naked Lunch, and so did, um, you know, the main guy. Is it Peter Weir or whoever the main guy was in the Naked Lunch when he's got his detective cap on, and, and that it kind of reminded me of him. And the the chairs they sit in and the beds they sit in, which are all these um, sort of like alien pods with um, tentacles that attach themselves to you to to modify to the human body and and make you know sleep easier or, or whatever which i couldn't quite get because there's not supposed to feel pain anymore but this was supposed to alleviate pain so i found that a little bit odd um they look like the naked lunch like the mug wumps or whatever it was in the naked lunch which i thought was um pretty cool stylistically uh there's some uh, a couple of great bits of sporadic violence out of nowhere from a couple of characters that don't sort of um remind me a bit of brazil a bit sort of didn't they sort of come out of nowhere and um never quite sure who they are or what they're doing which i, I kind of like there's another couple of girls who both get naked as well who are, end up being quite odd characters um overall i didn't think it was um cohesive enough or pushed the themes enough but the atmosphere and um certain themes that came through i thought were really really strong um, I just don't think it was as, as compelling all the time or as interesting all the time as it could have been, given the um, dystopian future themes were unusual, original, and could have um, been honed in a bit more. I felt like the first half of the film was really all about atmosphere and you know the sort of philo philosophical existential nature of things, and then it moved into a, a more traditional linear narrative about a story uh, that had to do with all of the characters that had come up to that point Leia said oh haven't seen her better thought she was excellent she inhabited I think the main three characters if you count Christian Stewart as a main one and she isn't in it all the way through they all occupy a different point on this sort of triangle of this dystopian existential anxiety and search for meaning in the in the modern world when the modern world is completely a nightmare uh, and she's very very good she's a lead character and she's um i thought this was the best i've seen her in, and i didn't really rate her i did bag her in that first bomb film and said that she was just so uneventful and uninteresting i didn't like her character in the in the second one so much either but um she gave a better performance she's gotten a lot better and she's taken on some brave roles the real surprise here with christian stewart i've said that she is the worst actress successfully working four years even up until underwater which only came out that bottom of the ocean horror that she starred in i said she's still 
a really bad actress, really bland, really like sucks the life out of any scene. Anyone's better on screen. This is by far the best performance I've seen from Kristen Stewart. Not only that, it's the opposite performance. It should have been a really cringeable performance by her because of the ticks and the everything else that's going on. But I absolutely adored her on screen here. She brought the screen to life. Kristen Stewart brought the screen to life. How is that even possible? She's got this really skittish nervousness, but this intense pursuit of these ideas in her head. She's got this really weird speaking manner. There's something really uncomfortably sexual and sexy about her here. And she's got this really sparkling... Like, there's a scene where she pursues Vigo Mortensen, who she's become obsessed by, across this room, just gradually sort of creeping towards him. And he's gradually keeping backwards. It is the best scene I've ever seen her in. I thought she was outstanding in this film. And a very unusual role that should have been dire. And the other thing that's great here is um, 18 films in from Howard Shaw, the um, guy that does the music here is the guy that won three Oscars for The Lord of the Rings. He's done 18 David Cronenberg films. His score, when they let loose with a lot of the electronica, is magnificent. So there's so I, I, when I get a film like this, and I'm not quite sure because I don't think it nails a lot, I kind of go back to a number of things, and the main one is, do I have a lot to say about it? Yeah, I do. So if you're a fan of David Cronenberg, this is catnip because it, it, it will bring up memories of so many other great David Cronenberg films. It maybe isn't compelling enough to be one of those, but still one of the most interestingly weird art films of the year. So I'm going to give Crimes of the Future an 8 out of 10, and this is some shoegaze from Boris, a very noisy but beautiful track from the album Pink called Farewell. Well.